question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. On day three of the ACC tournament, Virginia's Reese Beekman hit a game-winning shot. And crazy enough, it was a close to the same spot as the Notre Dame game winner against Wake Forest the other night. Also, TD and Greg Olson officially retired as Carolina Panthers today. More on all of that in a bit. We got to get to the big news in college sports today, where due to a positive case in the Duke basketball program, the Blue Devils are out of the ACC tournament, meaning North Carolina Virginia Tech gets moved up to 8.30 later on this evening. That'll be it in the nightcap. Florida State, due to a non a no contest, will automatically advance and be the first triple buy in the history of the ACC men's basketball tournament. As soon as I saw this news, Robert, I was driving on 40 towards the Coliseum this morning, and before I had left my house, I texted Joe Giglio, my friend in Raleigh, who follows all things brackets really closely here in the state. And my text was, hey, do you think Duke, if they beat Florida State tonight, has a chance of getting into the NCAA tournament? And I knew something was bad when the text I got back was, check your Twitter timeline. And the story had just broke. Jeff Goodman had it first, and then many others confirmed it. My next thought was, this is... The cruelest, most poetic way for this historically down Duke basketball season to end. It's poetic. It's ironic. I don't think the irony's lost on anybody that today marks the one-year anniversary that we were all sitting in Greensboro and we saw as Rudy Gobert tested positive in Oklahoma City and Tom Hanks tested positive and the world changed around us. A year after that, we got quarterfinals off the ground. That's the good news. But the bad news is we're reminded that we're still not completely through this yet. The finish line's in sight, but we're not completely through this yet because if we were, Duke would be allowed to continue after that marvelous performance they put forth last night with Mark Williams putting up 23-19. and Here's the part where it's most cruel to me, though. Nobody has taken COVID as seriously as Coach K, Kevin White, and the Duke Athletic Department. They've handled this incredibly well. Consider this. Let me just put all these things side by side here. Just to spell out the context that I think is being lost in the way this is being discussed nationally. Duke had its players return in August. Since August, men's basketball players have been allowed to go to two places. Sands one week so they could see their families right before Christmas. Two places. They've been living in a hotel, the Washington Duke in Durham. And they're either getting treatment, film study, meals there, or they're doing their homework, doing their studies, at the men's basketball facility on campus. Those are the only two places, aside from that one week right before Christmas, Duke men's basketball players have been. As a result, they haven't had any positive cases throughout the entire year. Until today. That's what makes this an ultimate punch in the gut. And between those two things, between August and the positive test today, Duke was the program that was proactive and canceling the second half of the non-conference season. Duke was the program. Duke was the athletic department, I should say, that had its women's basketball program on Christmas Day announced that they are opting out of the rest of this basketball season for women's basketball. They take it serious. Another ironic piece of it, Robert, the reason why they might not be able to play tonight or they're not going to play tonight might be because of the extensive measures they went to. Because apparently, this is according to Jeff Goodman and Bridget Condon from ABC 11 in Raleigh, it was a walk-on player who played on Tuesday that tested positive. They learned about it this morning. 
The thing you have to do after a positive test is figure out, okay, who's been around this player? The problem is, unlike, as far as I understand it, every other team competing in the ACC tournament this week, Duke decided they were going to commute. To be safe, they were going to commute. For shoot-around, for games, they were going to drive from Durham to Greensboro on a bus. And since they were on the bus longer than they normally would driving from hotel to arena, contact tracing was impossible to rule out just a few people. It was pretty much the entire team that now has to quarantine and figure out how many positives they there are. This is effectively going to end Duke's season. Now, this isn't a criticism. Duke was trying to do the right thing. As I've mentioned, nobody's taken it more seriously than they have. But it just comes to show you, there really is no one to blame, no one to scapegoat when things like this happen. It's just a disappointment. It's a disappointment. It is a cruel, poetic way for the season to end. Duke basketball playing well finally, getting enough games under its belt where you really feel like they might have a shot to make the NCAA tournament looked really good, playing strong defense down the stretch against Louisville. I don't think Carly Jones scored for the final 6-15 of the game. And just as that's about to happen, one of the teams affected most by circumstances caused by COVID, considering how young they are, the fifth youngest team in D1, their season over due to things outside their control. I was really excited to watch Duke FSU tonight. It was going to be a close, exciting basketball game. Now Duke season ends, and I'm going to be interested to see how it's remembered moving forward because, yes, if the season ended the day for Duke, and it is over for Duke, even though they haven't officially announced that, they would not accept an NIT bid, and we'll see what happens with them being on the NCAA tournament bubble that this is going to be the second time Coach K misses the NCAA tournament since 1983. And it's happening here in the pandemic year. On Twitter at Sports Hub Triad, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 336-777-1600 is the phone number. As I mentioned, Thomas Davis and Greg Olson, both honored earlier today. TD wearing a custom suit. That made it look like his jersey. It had the 58 on the back. The Walter Payton Man of the Year badge on the front. That was great. Heck, even the pants had the stripe down the side. Looking like the gray pant, blue stripe uniform the Panthers like to wear. It was great to see those two and to see how emotional they were. I thought Mick Mixon was really good as the MC. David Tepper had some words as well. Jeremy Chim was there. I think some of the coaching staff was there. Luke Keekley was there. It was a really special ceremony seeing Greg and TD. So we'll talk about those guys throughout today's show. Recognize two of the greatest Panthers of all time. Let's start with Greg Olson, though. Greg, he might be... In fact, I feel pretty confident saying he's on the Mount Rushmore of my favorite Carolina Panthers ever. For me, personally... I don't think I've ever told this story publicly before, Robert. Back when I was emotionally attached to watching the Panthers, like I was living and dying with every win and loss, I I remember it was the 2007 draft, and I wanted the Panthers to get a pass-catching tight end out of Miami who wore number 82, who was once upon a time in the seventh-floor crew. Those who know, know. Um... I wanted them to draft Greg Olson. That's who I wanted them to take. And they had a pick in the 20s. I think it was 23rd or 24th. The commissioner steps to the podium, and he says, from the University of Miami, the Carolina Panthers select. And at that point, I'm already cheering. The Panthers are about to take Greg Olson. Then the commissioner says, John Beeson, linebacker. <laughs> I was so mad. I, 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 I stormed out of the room, Robert. I was so mad the Panthers did not take Greg Olson and instead took John Beeson. I even joke with Beeson about it now that he's in the media. And I guess Greg's in the media now too. But um, 
gosh, I was so confident he was going to be good. You don't see, at that time especially, you didn't see tight ends coming out of college who could catch the ball like that. And I think what his legacy from a football perspective is going to be, he's an all-time great pass-catching tight end. Fifth in NFL history in tight end career receptions. And he played a lot fewer games than the guys who were ahead of him. So if he didn't have the foot injuries that ailed him a few years, maybe there's a chance he catches Shannon Sharp, catches Jason Witten, who were in front of him there. Um, All-time great pass-catching tight end for sure. But also, I think what sets him apart from some others is how he really gave back to Charlotte. That's going to be a major part of his legacy. Twice nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. He was a finalist both those seasons. TD, the only Panther to ever win the award. The stuff that he's done with hospitals and with so many people, different causes. At radio stations I've been at, whenever I asked for something from the Panthers or my bosses did, it was always Greg signing a football. It was always them volunteering. To, hey, do you mind, would, would you like if Greg sent you a video? He always had a heart for that. And this is the personal piece of it. Covering Greg, there was no one better to cover. When the Panthers had bad games, bad years, I always camped out next to 88's locker because I knew what I was going to get was insightful. He was going to be respectful to us. Even if you asked a bad question, he would be friendly to you. And Greg, there was there were very few better. I'm thinking Mount Rushmore, my favorite Panthers. Of course, Cam has to be on the list because I believe he is the greatest Panther ever. In fact, Greg, he felt pretty bad. He mentioned almost everybody in his speech here, Robert. But then after he got done speaking, he wanted to tell us in the media he messed up. I had an entire section in my speech that I prepared that was about my relationship and how much I feel about Cam. And I know you guys you guys who covered knew how much he, you know, he meant to me. And I had a whole thing written there and in the midst of my emotions and, and getting going, I sat down next to my wife and I said, Oh my God, I forgot cam. Where are the hot takes, Robert? Is Cowherd skip Bayless or somebody going to say cam Newton is hated by his teammates. Not even mentioned in his hall of fame speech. Not even mentioned in his retirement speech, Greg Olson. If not him, who? <laughs> uh, so Cam's up there. Um, I'd also include Peppers, North Carolina guy. Just He is the Paul Bunyan of, I think, the state of North Carolina sports. Everybody seems to have a story regarding Pep, either in Chapel Hill or the Panthers or him playing in, I think, Nash County growing up. I get Nash and Vance County confused sometimes. And then there's Smitty. I saw the day that Janoris Jenkins got cut, which brings up memories when Janoris Jenkins was a rookie in the league with the St. Louis Rams and went up against Smitty. He apparently started Googling information about Smitty's family and his wife, and Smitty tore him apart that day. And he danced like he was Deion Sanders after scoring a touchdown. After the game, he was asked about it. He goes, man, that kid thinks he's Deion Sanders. I wanted to show him what's up. And I, I don't play with Play with guys like that. One of the great Smitty rants after games. Greg Olson, he belongs in that mix. Really neat ceremony earlier today. We'll have Nerd Corner in a little over 15 minutes. Looking at today's action, we've got another buzzer beater to talk about. And I'll tell you why. You probably shouldn't expect another high-scoring game from the Tar Heels tonight. Next on The Drive. Everybody, listen up! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. I can't believe this. This is insane. All right, Sawyer Dillon's in studio with us. He'll take me into Nerd Corner in a second. Before we do that, though, I thought this was a significant quote from David Tepper earlier today when he was talking about Thomas Davis. And Greg Olson, both the both players retiring as Carolina Panthers. They signed their one-day contracts earlier today. It was a really neat scene to say that. You knew Cam's name was going to come up somehow. Tepper was the first to bring him up without actually saying his name. 
Nobody's going to doubt what great football players you guys were. I mean, your accomplishments are well-known, they're documented, the stats are out there. Everybody knows it. But I think that, you know, when I got here, you know, I looked at this, the people here and I said, man, there's some people here really active in the community. And, uh, you know, three guys in particular, two of them are here now. Bring the other guy back home. Don't worry about that one day. Don't worry about it. That's going to happen, right? I don't know. Robert, what's your stance on Cam's career at this point? Do you think it's still pretty likely he's going to return to the Patriots because they don't have really any better options to start this year? Or do you think there's a scenario he retires and we have this opportunity sooner rather than later, kind of like we're seeing with TD and with Greg Olson today, that he retires a Panther? I'm not really sure. I think this is going to be a really long off season, especially after the draft. So if the Patriots end up getting somebody they really like in the draft, then Cam's probably going to ride off in the sunset or sign with another team. I know he, he wants to play, but I don't know if the opportunity is going to be there. Uh, and I also don't know, I haven't read that much into it, how his feelings are toward Carolina, if that's going to take a couple years to mend or what. It sounds like there aren't any hard feelings. When he was talking to Brandon Marshall and Fred Taylor on that podcast a few weeks ago, and Ocho Cinco was in there too, he said that um, there's no hard feelings, and he brought up Matt Rule and David Tepper by name, and he had the video, I think he was on like a Peloton or something. He was on a bike, and he was mentioning that there's no love lost with the Carolinas. So that's going to get fixed. If it gets fixed with Steve Smith, considering how bad it was when that marriage ended, it, it'll get done with Cam. The question is, when that's going to happen? A lot of stuff going on in the NFL transactions-wise today. I saw Eric Fisher was cut, which means Duvernay Tardif is the only remaining starter from that Kansas City Super Bowl winning offensive line. I don't think it's stunning considering he's been in the league for a while and he's coming off an Achilles injury and makes a ton of money. But uh, my sense on free agency is, Robert, it makes no sense giving lists today about who the Panthers should go after in free agency and talking about who's going to be available and what's going to happen until we actually get there next week because Lord knows with the current cap situation what's going to be available to any teams across the league. It's just going to be a lot of more turnover than usual. All right, Sawyer Dillon. We've got you in here. How are you doing today? You're coming off a high, watching those Tar Heels, your Tar Heels, playing last night. That must have been fun. Was that past your bedtime? Um, I was actually asleep for it, but yeah, it, it was it Also, was you can like get on the stream till about 3 a.m., 3.30 in the morning. I woke up at 2 and then streamed until 5 and went back to bed and woke up at 9. Yeah, yeah. that's probably what most of your streamers do or most of uh, your followers do. That That's their normal sleep schedule, so you got to follow that. Sounds like I'm being condescending. I don't mean to be. Let's get into Nerd Corner. I'm interested in upgrading my 28.8 kilobaud internet connection to a 1.5 megabit fiber optic T1 line. If eSports is the future, will you be able to provide an IP router that's compatible with my token ring Ethernet LAN configuration? We're getting in early. I'm here to earn, everybody, not to make out with you. This is Nerd Corner with Sawyer Dillon. Yeah, this Duke news is really bumming me out today. So this is a palate cleanser. It's bumming out a lot of people that we're not going to get Duke Florida State tonight. So cheer me up with some nerd corner, some facts, some happening, some headlines in the esports video game community. Sorry. Yeah, we have a few things here today. Uh, first off, have you guys ever played a game and you always felt like no matter what you did, it was against you? Like, you could not win. It was always just a little bit better. Yeah, it, it depends. I, I feel like, did you ever play the old Dragon Ball games, like Tenkaichi or something? I feel like you would fight the bosses on there, and they would beat you no matter what. Well, I used to have an old Dragon Ball game. I was really excited about it. <laughs> um, FIFA is actually getting, the soccer game is getting sued for having dynamic difficulty. This means that sometimes <laughs> when you were down, let's say 2-0... They would lean the game in your favor with the other person 
like making their players slower or not shoot as well, which would cause you to come back. Oh, it's like Mario Kart. Yeah. Where if you're behind in the race, you always get the great items if you hit those boxes. Let's say you're playing on one of those long maps like Rainbow Road. People that know, know. And, uh, yeah, you always get, like, a star or, like, a lightning bolt if you're trailing in the race. If you're leading, you're just going to get a green shell or something, maybe a banana peel. Yeah, so people are upset that they actually have not really said anything about this until they're now getting sued and kind of trying to shut it out, um, which I've played FIFA, and I think it's actually a real thing, so... It's kind of annoying for us people that take it more seriously that they're possibly scripting it into other people's favor. That is frustrating. What else do you have? Uncle Snoop, a.k.a. Snoop Dogg, he streams Madden. So not that many people, but Uncle Snoop is a Madden player. Um, his opponent scored a touchdown recently in one of his streams, and I think as we have here, you can tell he did not take it very well. Man, man, as soon as I f***ing came in this f***ing room. <laughs> This shit. came in this fucking room and everything went fucking bad. This shit, man. Sounds like this Notre Dame fan that was sitting behind me during the North Carolina Notre Dame game. <laughs> so Snoop Dogg, as we know now, I guess, takes games very seriously. Um, he left his stream on for eight hours. He left his desk and just never walked back in the room for eight hours, and he streamed to just a chair with no one in it. Um, I have to ask, Please. have you guys ever found yourselves this mad at a video game? Like, have you ever thrown a controller, lost oh. your temper? I've, I've thrown a controller before, didn't break it. Then I matured out of that phase and had a roommate in college who did that, and I said, dude, you're only costing yourself money by doing so. And eventually he got wise as well. But Snoop Dogg is in the financial bracket that it doesn't really matter. Someone else who falls in that bracket is Michael Phelps. I know because I have family in Baltimore and people that are semi-close to Phelps that he is a big video gamer. And when he loses games, he doesn't throw the controller. He throws the console. And Oof. at least like a half dozen times has had to buy a new console because he got mad losing a game. Well, we That's, know that is Olympic level competitive. Yeah. I mean, we know Joel Barry doesn't, you know, take it too well Ooh, either. Yeah, he did take it well here when I beat him to uh, get. He did. Trophy. I was worried about that. I didn't want to bring it up when that happened. I was thinking, oh my god, is he going to punch the wall? Please don't punch the wall. Please don't, or the swarm's not going to bring him back. That's actually the first time COVID came into my consciousness last yeah. year because it was Monday of ACC tournament week, and I remember the guys coming in with the swarm saying. Uh, is it he can't have any food? He can't do any of this because of COVID protocols. We're being pretty strict. And I remember rolling my eyes at it, saying, "Come on, these guys are just being a bit much here." All right, what's the last thing you have for me? Ronnie Two K. He's the marketing director at Two K Sports. He said that the best Two K player is actually Paul George. He said that Paul George somehow makes his player play exactly like him in real life, and he's never seen a 2K player that good at the actual game 2K. So I guess he's not great in the fourth quarter Ooh. if he's playing like himself. That is, Robert, one of the greatest commercials, right? Didn't they always play that commercial with him hitting the game-winning shot at the end of games right after PG? is either shrinking in a big moment or misses what would have been the game-winning shot. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Was it a commercial, like an NBA-style thing where he hits a game-winner or something? No, no, no. It was – I'm get. i lost with what kind of drinks are out there now. Bolt 24 or whatever that is. <laughs> it might have been that. It might have just been Gatorade, and he hits a shot. All It's all about being big and clench timing. This drink that I'm having is going to help me big, be great in clutch time. I don't think they're a sponsor anymore, or at least that's not their message they're sending out with PG, because playoff P is not who you want in your corner. So we know that Paul George is the best 2K player. Now I'm going to ask you guys, if you have to just take a wild guess at Madden, I have the stats here. Who is the best NFL player that's wow. also the best at Madden? Because they, they keep score for... They keep record for players in Madden, like NFL players? Well, they had a Madden celebrity tournament recently. Oh. Yeah, and so celebrities in Madden or NFL players got together okay. and they played a bracket out. Okay. Robert, let's talk this out. You don't know the answer to this, right? Uh, I've got a guess. I'm going to give a hint, though. 
Okay, give me a division that you're thinking, Robert, because I want to see if we're thinking of the same person. Uh, if we're going against each other, why would I give you a hint? <laughs> well, we're not going against each other. We're trying to figure this out together. We're on a team. This is our show. It's the Drive with Josh Graham. It's Nerd Corner. <laughs> we're on the team. It's the Drive with Josh Graham. And Robert Walsh. Yeah, then I, the, what What division are you thinking? Because I, I want to see if I only know one way. player that plays Madden, and he's in the NFC or AFC North. So, All right, let's say it in unison. One, two, three. Hollywood. Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, you went Hollywood. Okay. I got Juju. He's got Hollywood. Are we close? Robert is on it. Hollywood, Hollywood Brown? Hollywood Brown beats Snoop Dogg, actually, in a Madden tournament. I actually have sound for how that sounded when Marquise Brown beat Snoop Dogg head-to-head at the end of that Madden game. Would you like to hear it, Sire? Let's hear it. Man, man, since I f***ing came in this f***ing room. This shit. came in this fucking room and everything went fucking bad. This shit, man. Robert, how many times was that your reaction when Hollywood Brown didn't come up with the pass? Lamar threw at him. Uh, probably not that often. I, I'm not upset at him most of the time, and I, I don't know. I, I don't get that mad at Ravens players. I'm not the kind of guy who's throwing a controller. I guess. Yeah. He had a lot of drops this year, unfortunately. Sawyer, a lot of fun, man. That is Nerd Corner with Sawyer Dillon. You're going to stick around because I know how big of an ACC hoops guy you are. Here's the question I have today. Fair or unfair? If Florida State wins the ACC title Saturday, will we view that title any differently because they're not playing Duke tonight? We'll discuss next on The Drive. Turn it up! They came to see us! Let's go! Back to The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. With Cameron McGusty running the point, Miami, gosh, quite a run through the ACC tournament so far. Taking out Pittsburgh as the 13th seed, taking out Clemson yesterday. And right now, trailing by two after hitting a three at the top of the key. 30 seconds left to go in the game, and Miami's right there. The first game, a thriller. I was in the Coliseum for it as the buzzer-beating shot from Reese Beekman dropped. His only made bucket of the game uh, puts the Virginia Cavaliers into the semifinal tomorrow. We'll see who's going to join them, and we'll be playing the Cavaliers in just a bit. West Durham, are you taking any credit for Miami's success considering Jim Laranega's used your show as a bit of a good luck charm the last couple days? Well, we're undefeated with coaches on game day. So (laughs) take it for what you want. You want to win, you come on the show. So there you go. Come on the show. Um, There's a great game. By the way, Robert's done a really good job. He told me he reconfigured the board and there might be an echo. I didn't realize the delay would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 seconds, but otherwise we're good. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Is this working for you now? Uh, let's see. That's much better. Thank you. All right. There's Robert Walsh doing, uh, doing what <laughs> Robert's producers a man. do. I, yeah. You know what? The guy has to work with you every day, Greg. It's, let's be honest. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that is his uh, greatest feat yeah. is not losing his mind and doing so. So tonight, we got North mm-hmm. Carolina, Virginia Tech, which – should be a really interesting game considering for the first time in ACC tournament quarterfinal history, we're not going to have teams that have played each other at some point in the regular season going head-to-head. We right. were going to have that with Florida State Duke, but the big news of the day, which we'll get to more extensively in about 15 minutes, is that Duke is no longer a part of the ACC tournament. Their season's over, according to Kevin White earlier today. Right. How do you think this season is going to be remembered, Wes, when you consider the last the 95 gets thrown around quite a bit, but when Duke fans and ACC fans talk about 95, it's always with the asterisk of, oh, that was the Pete Gaudet season. Do you mm-hmm. think that's a similar way we might be talking about the 21 Blue Devils? Well, you could put a lot of teams on the list, though, Josh. I mean, let's be honest. Kentucky? Uh, I mean, they've played, but they haven't been very – I mean, look, this has all been different for everybody, right? Um, you know, when your best player says see you in February, 
I, I don't know that – look, Coach K is brilliant, right? And I feel badly for guys like Mark Williams who was coming on and playing lights out. I feel badly for Jeremy Roach and DJ Stewart and Matthew Hurt and all those kids. I mean, I really do. I, again, this thing is unpredictable. It is compelling in terms of the way it disrupts our lives. And I'm not even talking about basketball, right? Um, to me, the idea here, though, is is that you've got, you know, you've got a team that that pop positive. And I said this earlier today, and I, I I still believe it. I don't know what we thought was going to happen that everybody was going to be clean. Okay, I just don't know why we went through the regular season and thought, well, all of a sudden we're going to get to the tournament and everybody will be just fine. All the precautions, everything you do can change all the stuff that goes on in this world with this virus. And to me, quite honestly, it's one of the things that I think is just bizarre about the whole deal. You don't have to have a reason for somebody to test positive. They just test positive, right? And at the end of the day, when it happens, you you got to look at the consequences and look at the situation. And I know that's not an easy answer for a lot of people to process because they wanted to see Duke play Florida State tonight and everything else. But that's the reality. That's the reality. It, look, it happened in the single bid tournaments, right? Missouri Valley happened in the A-Sun. I think it's happened in a couple more I'm just not as familiar with. So at the end of the day, what happened to Duke was probably percentage-wise bound to happen to somebody in Power 5. And by the way, we're, not, we're just to Thursday. We're not to Sunday yet. If we think this is over, I, I, I got another thing to tell you. What's interesting is the ACC's handled this very well, and you and Pack have done a great job on your show talking about the percentages of how the ACC has done a great job getting all these games in and teams not having right. issues. And particularly at the championship level, they've done a great job at this. Kevin Best, who does a terrific job with the league, I, I saw him at lunch earlier today at the Coliseum, and I asked him, is there another team in either fall or winter sports that you know – has had to exit this year an ACC championship event. Mm -hmm. And he thought about it for a second, and he said, ah, there's one, Notre Dame fencing. And that's it. And Notre Dame really okay. good at fencing, but Notre Dame right. fencing and Duke basketball, that's it. So right. the comfort we might have felt, Wes, that these games are going to get through might have been locally in the sense that restrictions were lessening and that we were getting closer to the finish line, maybe in the more broader sense that the ACC has done such a great job of getting games in, particularly championships, to this level. It might have given us a false sense of comfort, and I don't think the irony is lost on anybody that it comes exactly one year after oh, yeah. the Rudy no, Gobert news drop. Right, yeah, and I mean, that's the other thing, too. I mean, we had Jay Billis on this morning in the 8 o'clock hour when we had him on last year. In, in Greensboro on a Thursday when the tournament was getting ready to be shut down. I mean, it was the irony of where we were a year ago and where we are now is not lost on anybody. Now, you know, from a sports perspective, we've done a really good job of maintaining a schedule. But has it been easy? Absolutely not. And I think we've learned a lot. Now, the positive side of this can be let's move forward and hope that by the time we and, – and good, we're getting spring sports underway, but I, State and Duke are canceled this week in baseball because of a positive within Elliott Avent's program. So we've got to get through the spring and the vaccination cycles and all these things. And then hopefully by the fall, I mean, clearly a lot of these stadiums are ready to welcome full houses back in the fall, and maybe we can get back to some sense of normalcy. That would be, that would be really, really important, I think, for, for a lot of us, not just from the literal sense of going to watch games, but from the sense of, you know, maybe we get to have some normal about ourselves and feel better about ourselves mentally, too, and, and where we are as a country and a society. Final count in Greensboro, Georgia Tech 70, Miami 66. Georgia the risk-reward rewards, let's put it that way. Man, there was almost a 10-second call in the backcourt. Jose Alvarado was lunging out of bounds to save it. It was a mess. Somebody Hey, somebody pressures them and everything can possibly happen. It's, you know, they're, they're fun to watch. And I've told Pastor, I'm not telling you anything I haven't told Pastor. They can't close. I mean, they have difficulty uh, closing. They have closing. Difficulty. Closing. <laughs> How about the fact that the crowd wins the game? I mean, they'll, they'll be down. They go two on three to the basket more than any college team in the modern era. And I've told him that. I said, Josh, you have a team that refuses to pull the ball back 
in a two-on-three situation. But let it be four-on-three or three-on-two, and it happened about two minutes ago. They were three-on-two, and all of a sudden, Michael DeVoe decides he wants to dribble through. Don't go to the basket. Don't get the two points. Let's drive around and run, run clock rather than expand the lead. What are we doing? I, I mean, always they, – They make me laugh the way they handle stuff, and – Georgia Tech fans, bless them. I mean, here's this team that's captured their imagination this year. And look what happened today. This is what I mean by risk-reward. They won today with Moses Wright doing nothing. Zero. And Alvarado missing, what, the better part of the last six minutes of the first half with the when he banged knees with uh, Isaiah Wong. They're on to play Virginia tomorrow. We'll see yeah. what happens. Who's going to play Florida State tomorrow night, either North Carolina or Virginia Tech. West Durham with us from Packer and Durham on Sports Hub Triad. Before I let you go, I want to pick your brain of memories that you might have. I always love bringing you on the week of the ACC tournament, especially sure. when it's in our backyard in Greensboro. I don't think I've asked you this question before. I've asked you a ton of questions going back into your past. What's your earliest memory of the Coliseum itself? Uh, Greensboro general hockey games on Sunday nights. Really? Yeah, you probably not. You don't even know what the Greensboro Generals are. Um, I went to the Greensboro General games with my mom and dad on Sunday nights, and we used to sit behind the glass in the end zone of the old Coliseum. Now, old, Josh, that old was not the 15,000-seat Coliseum. <laughs> the old Coliseum was like 8,200 seats. That's the old Coliseum. What's the the 74 Final Four was played at the 15,000-seat Coliseum. Yeah. The seventy-four okay. final four. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the fifteen thousand seat Coliseum. This is this is about eighty six hundred, eighty five hundred, and the Greensboro Generals used to play in there on Sunday nights. And I guess because my dad was doing local TV, we used to get tickets behind the glass, almost like behind the goalie, and we'd go on Sunday nights. I, I just remember as a kid, uh, uh, a wonderful family in the Greensboro area, the Franks, Dorothy and Stanley Frank, just lovely people. And they would he, I think, was involved with the hockey team, Mr. Frank was, with a gentleman named Carson Bain, who's also from the Greensboro area. Uh, they were all involved in the hockey team. So my mom and dad and I would go on Sunday nights. I used to have – in fact, I had a childhood picture made of me wearing a Greensboro Generals windbreaker. I mean – That's great. You know. Oh, yeah. But, no, that's my earliest memory of the Coliseum. And then – you know, the tournament, I went to the 74 Final Four. I went to Saturday's semifinals, the UCLA-NC State game, yep. Marquette and Kansas, and I went to Monday night's championship game. I remember that vividly. The first time I ever went to the ACC tournament, though, uh, we were talking about it. Well, I'll talk about it tomorrow on the show because Pac and I are both going to talk about it the first time we went in the building. I was the official's locker room attendant in 1979 um, as a 13-year-old kid. Mr. Oshus, who ran the Coliseum, let me kind of be – I was never able to be a ball boy. We moved from Greensboro. So Mr. Oshus let me become a, uh official's locker room attendant for the ACC tournament. It was great fun. Who won the tournament time. that year? You remember? Carolina beat uh-huh. Duke on a Saturday night. It was uh, a week after the 7 nothing first half game at Cameron I where thought, Carolina held the ball. I thought that was right, 79 Carolina won because – Dudley talking, Bradley was the MVP. I was talking to Roy earlier this week, and – you know, I, I reminded him. I don't. What were y'all act- talking about? Your your thoughts on Marquette, or y'all no, y- y'all moved we're, on? We've we, we've we've made up. We've kissed okay, and made good. up on that front. Well, I, good I, thing, Robert. I was a little concerned. I got to be honest with you. I, I asked him actually. <laughs> he actually didn't know this that Roy's last time, the last time Roy was a part of an ACC championship win, an ACC tournament right. championship, was the '82 team that won. With Michael Jordan in in the Greensboro Coliseum, I should the forty seven forty five game. Yes, the forty seven forty five game. The shot clock game. That that that's where Al and, and Billy and I told Mark this. Al and Billy and Dick Enberg basically got the shot clock put in that day. Nineteen eighty two. That's the last time Roy Williams was a part of a North Carolina team that won an yeah. ACC title in Greensboro. Three of the last four that were played in Greensboro, they made it to the championship game, lost. Uh, the last time North Carolina pre Roy won the national or the ACC tournament championship was 98 where the MVP was a guy named Antoine Jameson. So mm-hmm. how about it? Uh, it's, it's just good to have you on and um, I look forward You're to the watching man, dude. the show tomorrow. Congratulations on, uh, on all the stuff this year. It's been a fun basketball season. I'll be interested to see what happens when we get everybody to Indiana. Yes. I think that's going to be, uh, going to be pretty compelling. And, you know, I feel, I feel awful for the Duke folks. I mean, I, Mark Williams was sensational. He and uh, Walker Kessler, if you're not excited about next year, and I know we're talking about this year, but if you're not excited about those two guys next year, um, 
I, I think you're missing the boat. Real quick, let me ask you this. This is a question I've been pondering all day. I put it on social media, too. I, I was thinking about the way North Carolina season ended last year. I was talking to Brandon Robinson about it, and he said he was in a, it, it took some time to feel this way, but he actually mm. felt satisfied that the season ended the day after North Carolina season ended and that it was decided on the floor. His season ended, but it's, it was decided on the floor. How do you think it's going to mesh with some Blue Devils? Let's say Matthew Hurt hypothetically goes pro. How it's going to mesh with them years from now that the last time they took the floor, they won the game, which is great, I'm sure, mm-hmm. sure. but their fate wasn't decided on the floor. Well, I think you have to understand that's going to be part of the storyline. Duke's not going to be the only team, Josh. That's kind of what I was saying earlier. And I agree with I that. Doubt very, I doubt very seriously a month from now we're going to be crowning a national championship in college basketball and not have had somebody else. The NCAA, now Jay said this morning on our show that the NCAA is going to treat it differently and pull the player, not the team. You know, I'll see. I mean, I, I'm I'm interested to see kind of because the, the conference medical – protocols have all been different as you know I, I think the idea of what we've got going here is going to be very interesting to watch but it's been you know what we've gotten through this and we need to get through it uh college athletics needs needs it to shine we've learned a lot of things along the way now what can we take to use going forward that's productive and uh, I hate to use the word profitable but really that's what it requires sure. for some of these schools to get back their financials I mean you start reading the business side of the college athletics, this this past year has been a, a devastating one for some institutions, for sure. Follow them on Twitter at West Durham. Watch Panker and Durham on the <laughs> ACC Network each morning. So, uh, Virginia's still alive. That's good for you, right? Yeah, that's that's good. I'm happy about Virginia still being alive <laughs> not, in the mix. Uh, not you in particular, but <laughs> others are very happy. Is that yes, right? Yes, yes. Okay, there are a lot of people that are, that are happy yeah. about it. All that. right, Robert, great job on the new setup. <laughs> hey, Congratulations. It, man. And, and you're doing a hell of a job keeping Graham in line, by the way. I do my best. So, I do my best. Yeah. There we go. Josh, be well. Yeah, Talk you to you. Too. That's Thanks. Wes Durham from the ACC Network. Coming up, why today's news? It's It might be the most poetic way for Duke's season to end, considering what this year's been. And it's ironic. It's also very cruel, too. Keep it here on a Thursday drive. Ding, ding, boys. School's in session. Let's go, man. Back to the drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. So here's how I learned the Duke news earlier today. I was running errands this morning, Robert, and I texted my friend who does radio in Raleigh, Joe Giglio, because he has his yellow pad out and he's breaking down the bubble every single day, follows it about as closely as anybody in the state of North Carolina does the bubble stuff as it relates to teams we care about around here. And I just sent him a text. You think Duke's in, or how close do you think Duke is if they beat Florida State tonight? And immediately, Jillio texts me back and says, check your Twitter timeline. And minutes before I sent that text, there was the Jeff Goodman tweet that Duke season is essentially over as they're not going to compete in the ACC tournament after their first positive test of the year. Since then, we've been all trying to piece together what exactly happened here and more of the specifics. Somebody I'm sure has some answers for us is Luke DeConk, award-winning columnist for the Raleigh News and Observer. Read his stuff, newsobserver.com, on Twitter, at Luke DeConk. Okay, so what do we know in terms of the timeline and specifics here that led to Duke's basketball season ending today? You know, I, things being confirmed, I mean, there's, there's, there's not a ton. We know that they had a positive test. Wednesday night that was confirmed, um, you know, uh, from we believe to be a, a walk-on on the team, uh, a fringe player. Uh, we know that Duke has a, an ongoing COVID cluster that shut down spring football practice. And, uh, you know, going back to a fraternity rush event uh, has threatened to shut down the entire campus. And so, you know, this is one thing we've learned with this virus over the past year almost exactly is, you know, once it gets a foothold and once it can get into a closed system, uh, you know, it, it can spread very rapidly. So um, it really is a, a continuation of the 
campus outbreak that led to the football outbreak. Um, you know, the football team is staying at the Washington Duke. The basketball team is staying at the Washington Duke even this week um, and has all year. And at some point, the virus got into that, uh, you know, sort of uh, faux bubble, you know, partial bubble, and it put an end to Duke's season. Is uh, I'm looking at what teams have, ha- where teams are staying this week. And my understanding is the top four teams are staying in one hotel, and the bottom 11 were slated to stay in another one in Greensboro. Duke decided it was better for them to commute back and forth. Is it your understanding that the bus trip, the commute with the player we learned to be positive, is what eliminated any possibility because of contact tracing that Duke can move forward with the tournament? Yeah, I... I... I don't want to say that definitively because there's sure. still a lot of variables going into this, but there's no question that that is a potential complicating factor here. And yes, the top four seeds are at the Grand Over. Um, the other 11 seeds are at the traditional tournament hotel. Um, Duke has stayed at the Washington Duke all year. That's been their on-campus basketball isolation bubble, and decided that you know they've they've gone that entire season without a positive test and that was a better gamble i think everything's a gamble to a certain extent these days that was a better gamble than getting into a greensboro hotel with a bunch of other teams and a a large number of national guardsmen who are conducting a uh, fema vaccination clinic uh, on the same property Um, so you can certainly understand that duke being close by would would prefer to go back and forth um, it is certainly possible that that has complicated the situation by turning a 10-minute bus ride into an hour-long bus ride. It's Luke Takak. He's on Twitter at Luke Takak. Read his stuff. Raleigh, uh, News and Observer with us here at NewsObserver.com. You can find it online. Okay, so now the season's over. Kevin White essentially saying so in the statement. Coach K as well. How are we going to remember this year? I, I think about... Season since 83 that Coach K's missed the tournament. It's 95 and it's this year. And when you talk about 95, there's the asterisk there of, okay, that's the Pete Gaudette year. Are we going to say the same thing years from now when we're talking about the 21 Blue Devils? Oh, that's the year that they got hot in the tournament but never had an opportunity to finish things out on the floor. I don't know how hot they got. They, they didn't, you know, they, they were a 10 seed that one on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it will have another asterisk because, you know, with a win over Florida State tonight, you know, I believe that that would have pushed Duke over the edge and into the field. And I think with a loss, Duke, Duke would have been out. I mean, I feel like we finally we've been talking for weeks now about, you know, elimination games and winning your in games for, for Duke and UNC to a degree. I believe that we'd reach that point tonight where, uh, you know, it, it, that this, this, this was the litmus test game for Duke, and obviously that, that, that's not going to happen. So I think there will be an asterisk on this season because, you know, Lord knows we had enough, you know, is Duke back, is Duke turning the corner conversations over the past three months. But there was a sense in Greensboro, particularly for me, the defense against Louisville, that there was a chance that this team had finally figured things out um, and, and was capable potentially of beating Florida State, the way Mark Williams was playing, the way the guards defended Louisville. Now, Florida State's a really good team, maybe the best team in the ACC. Who can tell at this point? So there's no guarantees there, but I think there will be an asterisk because they, they never did get that one final chance. Now, you can make the argument that Duke had a million chances to prove itself over the course of the year. Um, you know, I think the one thing people miss about Duke, uh, until the Carolina loss, all of their ACC losses had been really close, uh, yeah. none by more than seven points to, or, uh, in regulation two in overtime. I mean, this is a team that lost a lot of games that were two-possession, three-possession games, razor's edge games, um, and they lost almost all of those games. So this was, you know, I don't think Duke was ever quite as lost as people thought Duke was. I don't think Duke had ever quite turned the corner the way people thought it had a couple times. But this season was, was not that far off. Now, that obviously doesn't count. Um, but I, I think all of that is difficult to put into perspective without the finality of knowing whether they would have been in or out. To go further on that stat, in games decided by seven points or fewer, Duke 3-9 and nine in those games this year. Coach K calling it the season of almost. Luke DeConk with us here. Uh, I, I, I was talking to the ACC, some ACC officials earlier today, 
just interested with other championships that don't get as much limelight or as much attention, how many teams have had to bow out of tournaments because of COVID, fall sports, winter sports. And they said there's only one other, other than the one we're seeing with Duke here, and that's uh, Notre Dame fencing. Pretty good fencing program, but they weren't able to compete in the ACC champion, uh, championships a few weeks ago. And that's the only other one we've seen thus far. It has me thinking, now that Florida State is a, air quote, triple by playing in the semifinal here, and there's a chance they might be playing North Carolina going up against, uh, uh, that, that might be looking at its third game in three days, how great of an advantage does FSU have tomorrow? And if they win the title, might it affect the way you view that ACC championship? I mean, the second part, no. I mean, FSU is still going to have to beat good teams to win the ACC title, um, whether that's that's Virginia or Georgia Tech, if Florida State gets that far. So I, I don't see a, a, a you know a, 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 any kind of deficit there. Sure. I don't know that it's I don't know that it's a huge advantage for Florida State necessarily. Uh, you know, the, the North Carolina is feeling good, has played well, and obviously fatigue can become an issue, but. So can time off. And Florida State, you know, was mentally preparing to play tonight, uh, had arrived on that schedule, was, was, you know, practiced on that schedule. In a season where so much else has been disrupted, those little disruptions can really magnify and reverberate. So uh, I don't know that it's a tremendous advantage tonight necessarily. Maybe it will be in the, in the semifinals or, or finals if Florida State gets that far and the Seminoles have played fewer games. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, not tonight, obviously, but, but you know, going forward, I, you know, I just, I, I think there's a potential that that is not the great benefit that everyone thinks it is. It's, it's Florida State not going to be in the routine they thought they were going to be, and I think that matters. Luke, I appreciate you spending the time, man. I'll see you in about an hour or so in the Coliseum. Sounds good, Josh. There you go. It's you, that's Luke DeConk. He's on Twitter at Luke DeConk, Raleigh News and Observer, newsobserver.com. You can find his stuff.